0: We ask the Lord as we do this teaching tonight, Holy Ghost, you would teach us things that need to be revealed. And if it's not your will, Lord, break it off, shut it down, and eliminate all distractions that may try to arise. We reverence you, we honor you, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm just going to run through these really quick. You may all have them, but if you don't, then write them down. If you do have them, then write them down again because this is going to be all of them for tonight's teaching, and then we'll dig into the few scriptures because in the book of Revelation, is just a few scriptures that we're going to talk about tonight and get detailed. Acts 1-3. It says, To whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So he teaches the kingdom before the cross. He dies on the cross, resurrects, comes back to his disciples and teaches them the kingdom for an additional 40 days. Acts one six. when they were together, they had come together and they asked him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So the disciples, they had this, attitude, and a lot of the Jews in particular, that this Messiah will come and restore this physical kingdom, because they were looking for this Messiah to take them out of their oppression, because the Romans were taking advantage of them, they were making them slaves, and they were abusing them. So they looked at this Messiah to save them from the physical government. Acts 8, 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So we see Philip preaching the kingdom, demonstrating the kingdom, operating under the signs, wonders, and miracles of the kingdom, and baptizing men and women. Acts 14, 22, and it says, Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Acts fourteen twenty-two tells us, lets us know that this kingdom that we enter into, we enter it through persecution. Mm-hmm. We try to pray against persecution, we try to avoid persecution, but in the kingdom of God, that's our entryway. That's actually going to push us further into the kingdom through persecution. Acts nine nineteen eight. And it says he went into the synagogues and spoke boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Some people would have left after the first day, wanting to went back. But it says he went for two, three whole months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. So what it lets me know is that as it says here that he was persuading them in regards to the things concerning the kingdom of god what that lets me know is that their understanding of the kingdom of god was flawed to a certain degree because if i have to persuade you about something then it lets me know that your understanding of that thing may not be fully accurate yes sir That was Acts 19 and verse 8. Acts 19 and verse 8. And he went into the synagogues and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Acts 20, 25. And it says, And now, behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face, no more. So he's going into the end of his ministry. Paul is saying, you know, I'm 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 preaching the kingdom. I'm going here. I'm going there. But I'm gonna let you know that continue in the faith, continue in the gospel, continue to carry this message on, even if I don't see you anymore, even if I'm not there with you anymore. That's Acts 20, 25. Acts 28, 31. And this is Paul speaking. He says, Preaching the kingdom of God and concerning those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. With all confidence, no man forbidding him. So as we know, towards the end of his life, Paul was arrested, put on house arrest. And he used that opportunity to bring people into his hired home, the place where, you know, he was under house arrest too. And he taught them the kingdom of God. At the time that he was there. So he lets him know that, you know, I'm not going to be with you, but you can come to me if you want more of this, this kingdom. And those are all the ones that we have in the book of Acts. Romans 14, 17 says, we all know this, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So the kingdom of God is not conditional upon what you Put into your body so what you put into your body now does not make you clean or unclean ceremonially at this time there was a big debate about should you you know should you still hold on to the food celebrations the ceremony aspects even though they have been freed in Jesus Christ and a lot of the believers they did hold on to you know certain foods and in the context of this scripture is talking about you know don't allow your don't allow yourself to stumble your brother for what you eat or what you drink so if you want to you know eat meat then by all means eat your meat if your brother is weak then by all means don't stumble him by eating the meat that may stumble your brother while you're in his mess. when you get home go ahead and cook your steak up do you do what you got to do but it's not spiritually, what you put into your body does not change you. Physically, we all know that certain foods have different effects on the body. You eat a certain food and you feel a certain way. But when it comes to the spiritual aspect, he's letting us know that there is no more ceremonially ceremonial aspects in reference to what is considered clean and what is considered unclean. You can eat your meat around me. I won't stumble. 1 yeah. Corinthians 4.20. 20. it out. I'm trying to teach Bubba now. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but it's in power. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. You can't just talk about the kingdom. The kingdom is this. The kingdom is that. kingdom, kingdom. Kingdom. But there is no evidence of the power working in your life. So if you talk kingdom, but you have the mindset of a slave, no matter how much kingdom you talk, you don't have the power to transform your life and allow that change, that transformation to take place. So it's not a matter of how good you can articulate kingdom. It's not a matter how many verses about the kingdom of God that you may know. It's about how that kingdom that you know transforms your life and is a blessing and a benefit to other people. Yes? Now, when you read that statement of slave, you're also you're saying that when you speak in the kingdom, you're still a slave to sin or a slave to the world. Yes, indeed. you speak of good, but you ain't living. Totally, yeah. Even if your attitude that you have in communicating it, you can still become, you can still operate it under the bondage of not having compassion, not having grace, not having the ability to connect with people because even if it's like you have to know where people are but you don't modify what you have for the sake of someone else if that makes sense so you know where people are but you don't water down what you have because someone may be in a different place than you you just have to refine your ability to communicate with that individual and bring them up to where God wants for all of us to be. But you don't come down, because we use the scripture of, you know, Paul became all things to all men, and we use that to say, well, we got to do this. Or in order for me to, you know, to, to you know connect with the young people, I got to go and get a tattoo, or I got to let my pants sag, or I got to do all these things. That's not becoming all things to all men. Becoming all things to all men is... Even if you may have tattoos, even if you may sag your pants, there is a greater life for you, so let me show you what it looks like. And this is why we are to be living witnesses and allow the kingdom to transform our life with the power of God, not just mere talk. Yes. You know, use the word slave. You're not going to be slave you. know, sometimes... We don't want to use that word, but we can still use the uh, word slave for the kingdom. Yes. I'm a slave for Jesus. Yes, indeed. You know, so some people go, I don't want to use the word slave, but it depends on how you use it, Mm -hmm. what content you use it Yeah. Yeah, and there's always a greater meaning behind what you're saying and how how you communicate it. And like you said, that word it has different effects Mm -hmm. on different people. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then just like you said, your attitude. Yes. When you use that that word slavery, you're speaking in a different attitude, a different mind when you're using it. Yeah. You know, to the glory of God. That's right. You know what I mean? Because you know, our our, our mind and our talk and our walk Is all different now. Yeah. But we still got to use the words, the English words, to understand one another. Totally. This is like the word you know. Somebody may say the word "damn." Yeah. Now, when you tell them, but that that's an, oh "damn" is not a customer yet, yeah, but it's how oh, you make mm-hmm. yeah. so, you know, yeah. it new anyway, word. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a very like words are so powerful. I don't think like we understand how powerful they really are. Like I think we have a, a understanding that words have some impact, but words were the original way God allowed us to create the world. So our own worlds that we're living in is a byproduct of the words that we're actually speaking, mm-hmm. first and foremost. But you know that's a whole whole different teaching right there. But it's 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 definitely powerful. There is. Life and death in the power of your tongue. They say sticks and stones may break your bones. But words may never hurt you. Man, that is a lie from the pit of hell. That is a lie. Because in Proverbs it tells us that the words of a talebearer go deep into a person's soul. So if you're if you are speaking words that are damaging to an individual's identity, their purpose, and their character, man, that's destroying them worse than if you hit them over the head with a bat. And you just got because the totally. It's dangerous. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna move on. But specifically for children, mm-hmm. whatever you add to you are becomes their I am. I think I said that before. But it's imperative that we really get that. Whatever you add behind you are becomes manifest in that child's life as a I am. So if you say you are stupid, or you are so bad, or you are this, that becomes translated as I am stupid. Mm -hmm. I am bad. Even if they may never verbalize it. Mm -hmm. Even if it may never come out of their mouth, that has been deposited into their identity, and their actions are going to bear the fruit of those words that have been sown by people of influence yes. you, you know what you have do you to be really with yes. because you know when you deal with grown children and, and they have situations and problems and you keep saying like they say you don't call people crackheads. crackhead that's all they know all right, I'm a crackhead. you call me a crackhead so I'm going to be a big crackhead yeah. you know, I'm going to respond from, from the crackhead, egg crackhead characteristics so to to yeah it's just one man I don't know how this brother is still on but it's this one. Um, I'm going on a whole another rabbit trail. But one of these judges, he is famous for calling people crackheads. Mm-hmm. That yeah, come, I Judge Mathis, I- yes. Oh, yeah. I know a crackhead Tennessee. That's crackhead Tennessee. It's crackhead. Done. is crackhead. That crack. And I'm like, bro. Like these. Like you are in a position of influence. Mm-hmm. But that's his niche of calling people crackhead and crackhead tendencies, But you have to be mindful of how you communicate. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. It says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. So we know there are certain characteristics that come with the kingdom of God. In the next verse, Verse 10 as well, let us know that nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. You can't live in one kingdom and expect to get the benefits of another. You're either in the kingdom of God or you're operating under the kingdom of darkness. There is no great area. There is no in between. First Corinthians 15, 24 Excuse me. Then comes the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God even the father. When he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. So he's letting us know at the end of the age that this is what is going to take place. 1 Corinthians 15:50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit in corruption. So we know that we don't enter into the kingdom with our fleshly bodies, but we use our fleshly bodies to embody the kingdom of God. Hope you catch that. So these bodies that we have in our flesh is not going to enter into the kingdom. But God wants the kingdom to be manifest into these fleshly bodies so that we can carry out the purpose of the kingdom on the earth. Galatians 5, 21. Envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revivalings, and such like of the which I tell you before, As I have also told you in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If you see this theme throughout the New Testament, as I'm seeing, that the writers were really trying to get us focused on the characteristics. It's really trying to refine our lifestyle, refine our abilities, so that the characteristics can come into our life and change our character. Ephesians... 5.5 Five, five. For this you know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. We don't want to use our bodies to connect with the darkness. but We want to use our bodies as vessels of light to proclaim the kingdom and to advance it while we're here on this earth. Colossians 1.13, we know this one, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. You know, when I look back over my life, it's crazy about some of the dark areas that I used to operate in. And I believe we all have these different periods of. When you see how your life is now, But you see different areas of darkness that you used to walk in and believe that was truth, that was the way, and that that lifestyle was okay. But it says that we've been translated, which is another word for transferred. It's another word for relocation. So if you go from one place to a totally different place, the influence that you had in one place is to stay there. So he doesn't want us to pack our bags and take it with us into the kingdom of God. But a lot of times we hold on to things that we had in the world because they became so connected to our personalities, so connected to our attitudes, that we hold on to them so much because we think, this is just who I am. No, but that was supposed to get left at the old house. (laughs) At the old house at you know leave those things in the darkness Colossians 4:11 In Jesus which is called justice who are of the circumcision these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God which have been a comfort unto me So as Paul was letting us know that there were certain individuals who were carrying out the kingdom mandate as he was going on his assignment Certain ones said they believed. Certain ones they said they supported him, but there were only certain ones that he knew for a fact were supporting the mission. And you can read about that in, in the book of Philippians. That that was a great church that really supported Paul in his missionary and advancing the kingdom. First Thessalonians two twelve tells us that we should walk worthy of God, who has called you unto His kingdom. And glory. So there is a responsibility that he is looking for from his citizens. First second excuse me. 2 Thessalonians 1 5. 2 Thessalonians 1 5 says, which is manifest a token of righteous, the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom for which you also suffer. So there's a worthiness that God is looking for on our parts that will qualify us for this kingdom mission, for this kingdom assignment. 2 Timothy 4. It says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. So don't let anybody tell you that judgment is not coming. Don't let anybody tell you that there is no judgment because we are now in Christ. Yes, you are now in Christ. Yes, you are born again, but you have to give an account for the deeds that you perform in your mortal bodies. 2 Timothy Timothy 4.18 tells us, And the Lord shall deliver me from every," every, every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So there is a preservation that takes place, saints, that God will deliver you. But you have to remain with the attitude of, I'm being kept. Mm -hmm. I'm being kept for a sanctified and holy purpose. He'll deliver you, but now you have to remain connected. Because after your deliverance, if you go back like a pig who goes into the mud, then it's not on God's part. There's has nothing to do with it. You say these things like, why would, you know, God let this happen? God is sitting up in heaven saying, I didn't. Gave you free will to choose life. You chose death. And, you know, God gets the bad rap. Hebrews 1.8. But unto the Son he has said, "Oh, thy Throne, O God, is forever, and thy scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. We talked about that word last week. That that word scepter was an instrument of authority. The scepter was this this tool, this instrument, similar to a staff or a rod, that was symbolized. This person with the scepter is one with authority. Hebrews twelve twenty eight says, "Wherefore we receiving a kingdom." which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Can't just serve God in any way you wanna serve him. People say they're Christians, then, if I bark on the ground, I can say I'm a dog. It doesn't make me a dog. If I go to Petco and get the dog food and eat the dog food, it doesn't make me any more closer to a dog than a man in the moon. So just because you can talk Christianese don't make you a Christian individual. It is a lifestyle that is to come into agreement with what you say you believe. And then we serve God with reverence and godly fear. James 2.5 says, Hearken, my beloved brethren. Have not God chosen the poor Of this world, rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom, which he has promised to them that loved him. So God knows each and every single individual. God is not against, you know, prosperity. And he's not for poverty. But God wants us to be content wherever we are, moving in the direction of our purpose. So, greed, a lot of ministers fall off because of greed. Because they just want more. On the flip side, a lot of ministries or, or ministers, they don't actually grow because they become complacent. I think this is all God wants them to do. Let me just come Sunday and preach, and that's it. It's more. Is more. Second Peter one eleven says, For an entrance shall be ministering unto you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There is a ministry of abundance that we all have the capacity to tap into. The only thing that stops us is our mind, our belief system. I can't do it. Well, who told you you can't? Have you done it? No, I just don't think I could do it. The mindset stops you. Or you do it and it doesn't work. Well, who told you to rely on your experiences? We walk by faith, we rely on the word trust in Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's go to Revelations 1, verse 8. It's a good good intro. Revelations 1, 8. I'm going to read a couple verses. I always say, you know, for the sake of Bible study, we can't go to everything, but we can do a little bit more than a Sunday morning. So if you want to go in deeper, then take these scriptures down, read them for yourself, and we'll talk about it. Revelation 1.8, it says, I am. I am. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who am also your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom, say kingdom, Kingdom. and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the aisle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. And you know, you go on and you get this amazing imagery that John himself couldn't really describe it this is why the book of Revelation has so many different images and allegories and different like parables was because John himself had a hard time articulating it and the Isle of Patmos was an island where they would send prisoners so what they did was they sent them to an island for prisoners and God used them where he was John was an amazing guy History lets us know that John didn't was one of the disciples who didn't get killed, like some of the other disciples. Got the heads chopped off. They got beat with bats. They got fed to lions and you know big gyms and arenas as a spectacle towards Christians. They got you know beat down, put tar on them, put feathers on them, and lit them on fire and then they put them all on the streetlights. So as you walk through these streets, you would see these Christians, these people of the way, who were illuminating the city. So if you wanted to say you were a Christian publicly, that would be your final destination. Talk about persecution. That's real persecution. And John, they actually boiled John in oil, and he did not die. Boiled him in oil. I don't know about you, but when I used to cook bacon, man, and the bacon would pop, like ah. Boiled your body, immersed in oil. Talk about supernatural protection, man. But God will use you when there is a purpose attached to your life. He will protect you from the hand of the enemy. He will preserve you. So that we can have the privilege of reading these books that we read every single day. Revelation, so he says he is the Alpha and the Omega. So God is not doesn't just start at the beginning. He begins the beginning. He doesn't just stop at the end. He ends the end. Can't even really wrap your mind around it. It's not rational. It's not logical. Your brain can't comprehend that. It's spiritual. Somebody sent me a text message about some... Crazy theory about um, feet in heaven and all these things today. And I'm going back and forth with this individual. I'm like, there is no like second heaven with certain doors about heaven. Because they they asked me, well, you know, there's a second heaven. And I'm like, I'm not even gonna go about the first heaven, second heaven, third heaven that Paul was talking about. But I'm like, there is just heaven and hell, there's no in-between. So they wanted to break down some cubic feet That they think they read in the Bible And I'm just like I, didn't, I couldn't even respond back too much Because You got to watch out for certain things That are not profitable mm-hmm. If you have a sincere desire To know then that's different But if you just want to just pick fights About mm-hmm. doctrine I'm not, I don't do that Revelation 11 14 Through 16. And the second woe was passed. Behold, the third woe come quickly. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And of the twenty-four elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshiped God. And I've been telling you guys, you know, the past week about the book of Revelation. I don't fully understand it. To be honest. I've read it a few times, but the revelation that comes with it, I don't have an accurate way to describe it. I just trust the Holy Spirit to communicate. it. Mm-hmm. So he says that these, these kingdoms of the world should become the kingdoms of our God. Everything, all of these kingdoms in the world, they may exist, they may have their influence. Businesses, banking, media, government, all of those kingdoms are going to come back to the kingdom of God. And what's amazing is those kingdoms of this world, they're not actually even being ran by the people who fund those kingdoms. For instance, the rap industry is not owned by actual rappers. It's owned by businessmen. The medical industry, I looked up the the CEO of the hospital, and his brother is not a doctor. No doctor credentials, not not a PhD, not an MD, nothing like that. The businessman. These different kingdoms, they don't even have the people who can understand the industry on that level, but they make the money. They make the money. So, those kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God. This is why we have to know where our position of influence is in the world that we don't hide from the world, we don't, we're not afraid of the world, but we go into the world with the purpose of the kingdom. 24 elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God. Who are the 24 elders? Bible doesn't tell us. But if I had to take a guess, I would say it would be the 12 individuals from the 12 tribes of Israel And the 12 disciples. Don't quote me on it. That's just what would make the most rational sense. But like I said, we can't use ration or logic to interpret the Bible. We have to let the Bible interpret the Bible. So, Revelation 12, one chapter over, 9 and 11. 9 through 11, excuse me. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan which deceived the whole world he was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying in heaven now is come salvation and the strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ and the accuser of the brethren is cast down and accused them before our God day and night and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony this is the key we hear this how do we overcome by sharing our testimony by the blood of the lamb but we leave this portion out which is the most important part of it Because they love not their lives unto death. When you don't love your life unto death, you know that death can't stop you. You don't live crazy, but you live with a risk knowing that if you were to die, it will be a benefit for the kingdom. So we're not irresponsible in our living but we don't fear death because we know that when we die, where well, we're going to be. There's no uncertainty there unless you live in, you know, a double life. And if you are, then repent and get right. You know, yes, when sir. I heard he he was, in she was praying about blood. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The blood has not lost its power. And it's never going to lose its power. The blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, because they love not their lives unto death. We can't die, saints. When we stop breathing, when our hearts stop, it's just a transition phase. Flesh may stop working, but your spirit, man, is eternal. That's the true you. These bodies, we try to preserve and we try to hold on to them. And we should when we know the value of our purpose. We're going to be here a long time, then we've got to make sure that we can function and do what God wants us to do and have the ability to actually do it where he wants us to go. So we do take our bodies into consideration. But our bodies don't become our God. Remember, you know, Bishop saying one time, I think y'all were walking to Family Dollar, one of those stores, and he said he's seen a guy in the mirror, big muscle guy, looking in the mirror in the windows as he was walking by. You can... Idolize your body. People do it with cars. People do it with homes. People do it with different people. So you don't have to have a little, you know, a little tiki doll with straws and and, and clothes to be an idol. You could become your own idol. Yeah. Revelation 16 9. Revelation 16, verse 9. And it says, And men were scourged with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which has power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. This is a dangerous place to be in. Don't let nobody tell you that hell ain't hot. (laughs) Don't let anybody tell you that, you know, when, when, you know, the fire is just, is is going to be quenched. That's not what the Bible is saying. And this is this is this is a dangerous place. Because they blasphemed the name of God, which has the power over these plagues. So they were, you know, experiencing these plagues that God had the power to deliver them from, and they still blasphemed them. And the fifth angel poured out his vow upon the seed of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness and they gnawed their tongues of pain. So they were in anguish. They were in pain. And look at the next verse. And blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. So they still didn't repent. After all of this anguish, after all of this fire, after all of this pain, still blasphemed the name of God still blaspheming the the authority of God and his kingdom next chapter revelation 17 verse 11 and the beast that was and is not even he is the eighth and is of the seventh and goes into perdition. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beasts. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beasts." Like I said, let the Bible interpret the Bible. These 10 kings, the Bible does not tell you directly who they were. But if you look at modern day times, we know there are 10 regions in the world that are fighting for this, this place of Israel out in the Middle East. In the Middle East, these Islamic regions are all fighting for this position of of Israel. And you don't have to write them down, but I'm going to give them to you really quick if you want to do your own research. The first one is Edom, which is southern Jordan. The second one are the Ishmaelites, which are the Arabs or the Arabs. Third one is Egypt, fourth one, Lebanon. I mean, you can just go on CNN, and you're going to see all these names. You'll see at least one different one of them every single day. The fifth one, North Jordan. So the first one is South Jordan. The fifth one is North Jordan. The sixth one, Sinai. The seventh one, Gaza, the Gaza Strip. The eighth one, Tyre, T-Y-R-E. The ninth one, Syria and Iraq, they are intertwined together. And the 10th one is Jordan overall. It's the children of Lot. So these 10 regions, these 10 kingdoms, all are attacking the place in a position where God wanted his authority to rest, rule, and remain, which is Israel. Sure. These kings are ten nations that you're saying that will have great political power and support the future world war. They make up a world confederacy Mm -hmm. of nations that will oppose Christ and the true biblical faith. Yes. Yeah. And the scriptures, I think it's like Daniel 7 or Daniel 9, 7 through 9. And it tells you about these different kingdoms. But what we see here is we know the world is evidently, whether it's fifty, hundred years from now, at some point in time, if Jesus don't crack the sky, it's gonna to go to war with these nations for the sake of oil. All opposed to bring this one world government into being where this whole revelation position and text could be set up. Last scripture for the night. Revelation 17, a few verses over. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God has put in their hearts to fulfill his will, and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast. Unto the words of God shall be fulfilled, and the woman which thou sawest is a great city, which reigns over the kings of the earth. They got books written on who this woman is. They got movies written on them. They got preachers preaching. This is the woman. This is the whore. They say is the pope. They say is you know Babylon. Some people were prophesying saying it was Barack Obama. And all these things, but what we're we gonna do? We're gonna let the Bible interpret the Bible. I'm not gonna tell you the Lord told me that the whore is the next pope. The next pope come and it's not. People say Obama and all. I'm just like, come on, man. It's you're you're marketing that which God has never said, and you got to be careful. When you say, thus says the Lord, you better make sure the Lord is actually saying it. Hallelujah. You you were going to say something? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless your name, Jesus. We thank you for revelation. We thank you for giving us a clear understanding of your scriptures. So that we can not only be hearers of the word, but we can be doers of the word. Lord, we want to make you proud. We just bless you, we honor you, and we thank you for this evening. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. I know the word is. In this whole world, in this great world, the United States is going be. Not even going to be in there in the mix. Okay. We're going to do right now. We're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna be sold out. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So we just got to. Stay connected. Keep that relationship going. Because at the end of the day, man, he could come tonight. As soon as you're getting out your car, as soon as you open up your door, he could come. Hallelujah.